0: Welcome to the Growing Together Podcast, a show for inspiring conversation and practical steps to help your church become the church where all generations thrive. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and today my guest is Benjamin Lundquist. He's a director for Young Adult Ministries at the Oregon Conference of Seventh day Adventists and the host of the Rise and Lead podcast. Ben is an international speaker and Patterson Life Plan facilitator based in Portland, Oregon.
1: So Ben, one of the things that you talk about a lot is leading yourself well. And I think as we were putting together this podcast... The, the, the
0: meme that I think of is like the dog with a leash in its mouth. And it's just like
1: walking around. <laughs> it's like walking himself. <laughs> you know, we're, we're bringing like a couple of different perspectives. So you talk a lot about leading yourself well. And, and from my perspective as a participant in this podcast, it's from watching people yeah. lead and watching them how they lead themselves. Um, there's, there's so much about our opinions of leaders and our trust in leaders that comes from not what they said in a message, not from the sermon that we saw, but what we saw after the sermon, right? What we saw behind in the, in the back room when somebody's like super rude because they want a glass of water or something and then they go out and preach love. You know, th- those are the moments where we actually form whether we trust our, our leaders or not. And so today, I think in this episode, we want to talk a little bit about uh, leading yourself well, like beyond the messaging and beyond the times when you know you're being watched to like the rest of life. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that.
2: That's a a great question. And um, when I think about uh, leading myself well, for me, it's recognizing the worth and value that you already have and stewarding that worth and value. So for me, I, I think this, and again, I never want to give the impression that I, I've, I'm a work in progress, and I, I haven't had this understanding ten years ago. I wish I did, but it's you know it's been growing over time. But for me, leading yourself well is rooted in the gospel, mm-hmm. and it's it's rooted in the gospel in that when you know what Jesus has done for you and you know the freedom that he has given you and you know the worth and value that you already have how can you not lead yourself well mm. because you're you're stewarding something that already has such incredible worth and value so huge difference in approach is I'm not leading myself well so I could obtain worth and value. Right, right. I'm leading myself well because I've already been given mm. worth and value. And anything that has worth and value, you take care of it. Yeah, You take care of it. I mean, you're going to you're going to fuel it the right way, and you're going to steward it the right way because the worth and value is already there.
0: Is, is this perspective kind of shift, uh, kind of pushing against the idea that, you know, if if I don't already have security in my worth and value, if I tie my worth and my value to my performance, and I'm going to be chasing every opportunity, everything is an immediate yes, because mm. somehow I have to seek the approval of my church board, or of my conference president, or of my Fill in the blank and so the the inability to put up boundaries the inability to lead myself intentionally and well and thoughtfully comes from i'm just kind of responsive i'm reactive to what's around me
2: a hundred percent and people may disagree with my my angle on this um but my identity comes from god my identity doesn't come from the seventh Avenue church mm-hmm. my identity comes from god And he has given me a call to the Seventh-day Adventist Church to work for him and to lead ministry for him. But I think when we have misplaced identity, we always look for ways to either affirm our identity or to build our identity. And so you're right. I mean, I'll be real honest with you. Back in the day, maybe this was 10 years ago, I remember preaching a sermon and I had this I guess I had a pattern, but I would preach a sermon, and then I would go stand at the back door of the church, and somebody said um, that to stand at the back door, they called it the glory of the worm,
0: and, <laughs> and is so this, is, this is weird, but,
2: no, but, it, but it was... I, I know what you're but going it, but the, I, maybe that's Maybe the phrasing is too weird, <laughs> but the idea was... The preacher was wanting to go to the back door For to be affirmed yes. at how uh, great yep. he or she had done in that message. Yeah. Mm. And and the reality is nobody's gonna tell you what they really think most often. Some people, some people will. Do. I don't know about that. You, know, <laughs> you haven't been to the churches that I've been. Yeah. You know, some people do. Got a couple they, times. They, they, they're really bold. <laughs> but but I remember, you know, preaching a sermon and you know getting done, driving home and looking down habitually for affirming text messages from mm, church members. Yeah. yeah, Because I wanted to know like, like I have value because I did a great job in that sermon and I was looking for the affirmation in a text message from somebody when they were leaving church. And I remember a few times I never got a text and immediately I begin to devalue myself mm. because I was putting my worth and value in how well that sermon had gone. So if you, if you operate like that, you are always a slave to your platform yeah. of influence and you're not free to really influence because you're always worried about if I say the wrong thing or I preach a bad sermon or I launch a project and it fails and that's going to happen. But if you can all of a sudden change your approach to say, I'm going to lead myself well. I'm going to lead my family. I'm going to mm-hmm. operate from the worth and value that I already have. All of a sudden, you know your identity is not tied to that thing. So you risk more. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you really fulfill your calling more and you fulfill your purpose more because you have the freedom of not being tied with your identity to that thing that you're doing.
1: There, there's a piece of advice that I've kind of adopted from you that's been about leading myself, and that is get comfortable saying no. Um, and, and I think, I think this is such a messy, Well, we
0: work together. Don't get too comfortable saying no,
1: (laughs) I think so. uh, I mean, literally a month into moving here across the U.S., I get here and somebody invites me and they're like, Hey Caleb, do you want to preach at my church? I'm like, wow, (laughs) you barely know me. Thank you. Like, that's amazing. You must think I'm really cool. Uh, you know, before I had even preached the first one, another person calls and said, Hey, do you want to preach at my church? And I was like, yeah, two in a row. Wow. You know, and, and I, I accepted within a two week span four in a row weeks of preaching at people's church voluntarily for free when I already had a job and I'm not a pastor and I'm not paid to do this. It's just extra time to devote. And I started realizing that, you know, literally I was going from Monday at Sunday as laundry, you know, clean the house, groceries. I had over a month in a row where there was not a single rest Mm. and there was not really any time dedicated to spending with my family aside from just right at supper before bed. And so, you know, if I were to talk to any of those individual people to tell them, no, they would be like, Oh, are you busy that weekend? And I didn't know what to say. Like I'm busy being at home, you know, I'm busy Mm -hmm. trying not
0: to work every weekend. It's such an an (laughs) interesting question to ask because it could be like, Yes, being busy doing life and leading yes. myself well or the answer could be no, and it's okay that I just rest on a no. I'm not busy and I'm saying no. Like there's power in both of those answers. Too, yeah.
1: Depending on your perspective. So so when it comes to leading yourself well in the church, the Adventist church organizational system, you know, a lot of people listening to this are pastors and and they have kind of a the ability to s- decide some of their schedule. But also this additional pressure of their church members, leadership, you know, people above them, whatever. Uh, how do you carve out leading yourself well in that context?
2: That's a really good question. Um, I, I would say the first step is that um, you have to take extreme ownership of your schedule, of what happens with your family, of of your of your church uh, responsibilities. So, taking taking extreme ownership means that I'm not going to cast blame, I'm not going to make excuses. I have to be willing to ask myself, is my family in a healthy place? Is my marriage in a healthy place? Am I in a healthy place? And what is my capacity to lead well? And so when you're honest about how you're doing, I think you can make the changes that you need to make so you can continue on a journey of health. Um, I I think that God's vision is uh, when you lead out in a ministry role, whether it's um, a highly invested lay leader or you're a pastor, I think God wants you to thrive individually. And yeah. I think God wants your marriage to thrive. I think God wants your family to thrive. And I think God wants your influence to thrive. And so being able to say, how am I really doing? What's, what's my capacity? What matters most in my life? And then I think the, on the ownership side, being able to make the changes that you need to make and a few of those and again I learned this over time (laughs) so you know there's no like born out of the womb having figured everything out I learned this over time Um, a couple things I always want to be operating in my gift area that's that's a big principle when it comes to stewarding your time and saying no I want to be operating in my gift area, which means if I get an invitation to do something that's not in my gift area, that should be a red flag. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you always say no to it, but something should pop in your head that says, somebody else is better at that Mm -hmm. than me. Mm -hmm. So why am I saying yes to something that I'm not gifted in? And am I stealing an opportunity from somebody else in my community that really should be doing that thing? So always wanting to... Operate in my gift area um, is a principle with your with time management, leading yourself well. Also, knowing that you can only do a few things great, yeah. Yeah. So I can either do ten things good, or I can do three things great. But the three things you do great are going to have so so much of an exponential impact compared to the good things. So the idea with saying no is, hey, I want to be great at a couple things. I heard a A pastor, his name is Craig Rochelle, does a lot of leadership teaching, and here's what he said, which really stuck with me. He said, if I could only do three things as a pastor, here's what I would do. I would preach the gospel, number one. Secondly, I would build culture, a healthy culture where people can thrive in my local church, and third, I would develop leaders. That's all I would do. Hmm. I would preach the gospel, I would build culture, and I would grow leaders. So I think just recognizing, you got your wheelhouse of giftedness, and then what are those things that you really want to do great, and then simply—and I learned this from Doug Fields—he uh, was a longtime youth pastor at Saddleback Church in uh, at Saddleback Church in Southern California. Worked with Rick Warren, who wrote Purpose Driven Life, but he wrote a little book called What Matters Most. And in his book, he said, "Have the uh, give yourself permission." to say no so you can say yes to what matters most.
1: So let's flip this, okay? The mirror side of this uh, is dealing with young leaders, people that you want to develop, you want to disciple, right? How do you handle when they say no? Uh, Because literally, you know, one of the big catalysts to me originally leaving the church was that pressure and shame of you're not doing enough. Right, of you need to volunteer when there's yep. no space for me left.
2: Yep, and and I may have, um, I don't know what the I may have weaved my own web on this one <laughs> because of listen, I, I don't like you got to hear my heart. I don't want to see any pastor burned out, of course. Like, I that I, that's a this really is important to me, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of it comes down to identity mm-hmm. and how well you're leading yourself. Mm-hmm. so. For the last four years of being in Oregon, we have built a culture mm-hmm. that celebrates people serving in their gift area and yeah. celebrates people um, stewarding their time so they can invest in what matters most. And I routinely have young adults who I have invested in that tell me no. <laughs> and, you know, in my in and part of me, if, I'm being, if I'm being real them. honest, part of me right off the bat is like come on like you know you could do that i don't i don't say it because i know better but i celebrate it like hey i'm the one who wove this web yep. and you know what way to way to be to mm-hmm. say no to me, so you could do a date night with your with your young wife, yeah. who you've only been married to for a year, and that's yep. that's an, that's actually happened. Yeah. So it's not that they're just saying no for no reason; they're saying no so they can invest in what matters most. Mm-hmm. So for me, answer your question: as hard as it is when I'm on the other side, mm-hmm. I've got to swallow a little bit and <laughs> celebrate that. Yeah. And it's not. I would never call young leaders lazy. They're not. It's not It's not that you don't want to do it because you're lazy. Most often, it's because you know that if I'm going to say yes to this, I'm going to have to say no to something else. Mm-hmm. So I, I try as hard as it is to celebrate and affirm and just sometimes lean, lean in a little bit to say – Way to put your family first.
0: Yeah. One of the biggest challenges for me when it comes to leading myself well is oftentimes I don't know that I'm overreaching until it's too late. (laughs) And then I still have three to six months to a year worth of commitments. And I'm like, "How, how am I, how am I supposed to do all this? Like I thought at the time I could handle all these things and I can manage my health and my, my spiritual life and my relationships and all these things. And all of a sudden, boom, all at once. It's like, oh yeah, this wasn't a good idea. What happens when a pastor or a young leader has has overcommitted and they find out too late?
2: <laughs> that's a good that's a great question. And, and the thing is with if you're if you're a ministry leader there is always collaborative opportunities. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, there like I get DMs every day mm-hmm. about would you be willing to help out with this? And a lot of that it's not unique to me, but I've been in ministry for 18 years and so you build up a network of people right. and you got relationships built up. And so I think never think that the opportunities to collaborate aren't going to be there cuz yeah. they're always mm-hmm. going to be there. So I I think um two two responses I would give to that question Justin. One would be be honest about how you are really doing and and be honest about that. And sometimes we say yes to stuff when we know we're not in the emotional and heart condition to give that thing our best effort. So you got to be honest about how you really Are doing or how you project you may be doing Mm. when that project comes, push comes to shove and you may commit in May, but the project investment is happening in November. So you got to be able to think down the line. Mm. And I call this like anticipatory leadership. Like, you've gotta be able to think about what's gonna be happening in my life in December. Well, okay, that's between Thanksgiving and that's between Christmas. I got three family trips during that time. Mm -hmm. I've already committed to this project that's gonna be due January 1 of 2021 with the NAD. And I'm getting this invitation to do something with the GC. And so, anticipate what's coming down the line. Be honest about how you are really doing. Um, and And then I think if you need, which I think is a great recommendation, have have an an inner circle of people that you can bounce ideas off of. And before you say yes, um, and if if you can't say yes right off the bat, there's probably a reason for that. Hmm. So maybe you need to bounce the opportunity off some of your mentors or your inner circle and think, you know me. Am I biting off way too much right now? You know me. And I know, I mean, if you want a case study, Justin and Caleb you collaborate <laughs> on projects all the time yeah and I don't know if there's been a time when you've called out each other and said great opportunity wrong time <laughs> or maybe you all just all the time yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's
1: just- yeah, it's interesting because I live in the anticipatory. Like, yep. you know, whatever I have for the next year all lives in my brain simultaneously. <laughs> so.
0: The exact opposite for me. This is why I'm asking the question. Yeah. Like, I find myself somewhat somewhat regularly like, oh, shoot, like this is too much. Yeah. So, so maybe kind of from a personal insecurity, but also just like this might be helpful. What is the impact when cause I've done this before yep. and, it, and it, it hurt my, my heart, but it was to a friend who invited me to speak for like a week of prayer for this thing. And I said yes at the time, cause I didn't have very many opportunities. Entrepreneur life, got a hustle trying to make the money. <laughs> I said, yes, it was an event far into the future. Then life really picked up and it was within my core competency. So I knew that to take this event would harm pretty much everything else that the Lord was doing at that time. I had to come back and say, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, I overreached here. I'm asking for for, you know, your forgiveness like is it possible for me to bow out of this? And if not then, you know, I'll make it happen and I'll do what I need to do, but is it possible for me to bow out and for for you to maybe work with two or three other people that I would suggest? I felt like I was committing suicide, like social suicide in that moment, and it was really hard to do, but it was what was necessary for my life at that moment. Is there a better way to do it? How what, like
2: I mean, sometimes you got to make those tough calls. Yeah. They do. And I think also remembering as important as you are to that program often you are a cog in the wheel of many cogs and what I mean by that is if you are not there they're probably going to find somebody you're saying I'm not that important so (laughs) what, what I'm saying is different roles you play carry different weight and responsibility and you know for example if you were helping to run the Oshkosh camperee that's 60-some thousand people, and you had a pivotal role that you would work two years investing sure. in. Nobody can step into a role like that. Right. But somebody could step into a speaking role. Yeah. I try the best I can to honor the commitments, but like you said, there are some times that something comes up, and I think in that moment, you just have to be honest with, with the individual, not beat around the bush and let them know, here's what's going on. Is there a way that I can be put on your calendar in the future? And also, I love what you said, Justin, bring some solutions. Yeah. Not just, hey, the ball was dropped. I said I was going to do it, but I can't do it because I'm overextended. Well, here are three other names. I've already checked their schedules. They are available, and they're really good. So I think there are just some times like that that it's, you know, you got something comes up and you have to say no. You anticipate, uh, Justin or Caleb, like you said, you're always anticipating. Yep. You anticipate things, and you know that's not going to be a good place for you, so you say no in the moment, or you may just know right off the bat. <laughs> like, I, like, and I, I just try to be really gracious, and I just, I'll just share with you an approach that's helped me um, when you say no to somebody. Just know that you don't have to explain yourself, mm. and I think that's that's, that's that, tough. That's that's. I'm I've heard there. the I've heard the idea, I, but I'm I don't think I've ever yet. practiced it. You know? <laughs> and here's the thing: like, it, 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 in practice, you know, and this has been me over a couple of years. You should never feel guilty for saying no when it means saying yes to what matters most, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. don't have to explain yourself. And I think back in the day, I I am a people pleaser. Like I want to have people happy, <laughs> you know, and I, I'm always about collaborating. But when I would say no, I would fumble around with my words, yes. trying to give this explanation on, well, my grandma's coming to the town and she, she's about to cook my, my favorite lasagna, and I my haven't and I I, and I haven't and I haven't had this in five years, and, and she's going to be heartbroken. It's like, listen, stop talking. Yes. If you are really, you know, leading oh. yourself well your priorities are in line. If you have to say no, just say no. Mm. And don't feel like, and I would just say, when you try to do that, I mean, if you know somebody really well, like best friend status, and you got to get like, he's like, be real with me. What's going Uh. on? But I often, it makes it worse because then you allow somebody else to judge your priorities Mm -hmm. that, that they don't really need access to. Mm. All they need to know is you're not available for what's going on. And there are, there are times, uh, tip of the trade when I'll tell somebody no I'm unavailable and it's because I have a date night scheduled with Kim yeah. on that evening and I don't need to tell them that I can't run this zoom call because I have a date night I don't need to explain that mm-hmm. I'll all I know is that I have a very very high priority meeting yeah with my spouse who I'm doing life with you know long term And that's on the calendar and Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm unavailable you know and so I get it saying no it is hard but I think you can do it when your priorities are in the right place and maybe you have to check your priorities monthly like it with your inner circle and your spouse and just say here's what I'm invested in do you feel like my priorities are in the right place I have some people gut check you on that Mm -hmm. but when they're in the right place you just have to have the courage to be gracious. I've never yelled at somebody and said, No! No, I can't do that. Stop asking me. Like you, you I think you can say no in a way that's gracious. And I'll always tell people, I really value the invitation, and I'm serious about that. Like yeah. The fact that yeah, you came true. and invited that's me true. to yeah. do something, I don't take that for granted, and I really appreciate that. And I'll often try to... Can I get somebody else, or can we look mm-hmm. at a date in the future? Mm. But I value that. You know, somebody invites you to do something; that's a bit—that's a big deal. Um, but being able to just say, "I can be gracious," and just say no if I if I need to say no.
1: Yeah.